back, and we back, and we back. What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Goalink Show. My name is Ben. I am the founder of Goalink, a goal-setting community providing growth junkies, which is hopefully you, with weekly challenges to avoid complacency. If you're looking to grow and develop consistently, you're in the right place. These challenges are inspired by brands to bring you new ways to improve yourself. You can kick back and watch me take on these exciting and uncomfortable challenges, or you can join me. I challenge every listener to complete these weekly goals. Catch the content on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Golink Group. The Golink Show, this podcast, recounts experiences from the achievers of the world, but not just the success. We delve into the challenges and the struggle that we all face. How do we find the will to push through? What role do motivation, discipline, and even failure play in our lives? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more on the show. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we have a great dude, Ted Faton, on the show. He's an anchor, meteorologist with Fox Carolina, which means he wakes up really, really early. <laughs> um, he, has, he has his own podcast called No Rain, No Rainbows. He's an entrepreneur and hustler. He's a dreamer. And it's an overall great dude. Uh, we get to talk about his intoxicating story, emphasis on intoxicating, discovering meteorology and importance of mentors. Here are some things we also discuss. Why we are not responsible for other people being offended and insecure when we take our own acts of courage. Why a friend told him that he needs to grow out of jealousy. We explore our egos. We talk about love languages and strategies for giving love the masks of masculinity, and his struggle of being too critical and harping on what's not good enough about himself. This is a really cool episode. I really appreciate Ted. He's becoming a good friend in Greenville, South Carolina. He's the one that I actually met when I did my Meet Someone New Challenge. So I was at a networking event and I happened to run. He was the one I ran into and filmed the meeting for the first time. And I really appreciate him. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Should we do push-ups again? Sure. That's like our <laughs> ritual. Let's do it. It's the ritual. <laughs> Even though we're already done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go 10. 1, 2, 3. Just so everyone knows, Ted and I are getting pumped up for the interview and doing push-ups right now. Boom. That's how All we right. make magic. And now we're pumped. We're ready. Yep. For real, that does make me more energized. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm not as out of breath as I was last time. Yeah. I guess I'm a little bit better this time. Okay. Well, <laughs> dope. Well, I have. So we're live. It is Ben with Golink and Ted. Um, we are here chatting, man. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just did our push-ups. We're about to... Um, We've already chatted for your podcast, No Rain, No Rainbows. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you being on. You know, man. dude. I loved it. I just shared it today because nice. I'm done with my uh, with my di- digital detox slash, slash social media fast. How'd that go, man? It was really good. Um, so I used to, so before Golink, I was only looking at social media once a week. And so I was really used to that of just not. I don't know, like being distracted and having 30 minute scroll sessions, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it was nice to get off of it again and not be reactive, less stressed and less comparisons. Yeah. So, I, I need to probably exercise that because <laughs> I'm on social media a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And people ask me, but I have a business. 
I'm like, when was the last time you took one day or one week away from something and it was like detrimental? Yeah, I can't think of, I mean, usually it's refreshing. Mm -hmm. I saw a quote the other day and it said, almost anything will work better if you unplug it and plug it back in, so. Ooh, dude, I love that. <laughs> Damn, and I just posted my content. I shouldn't. <laughs> next week. Next week, but that's what, exactly. I like that a lot, like you unplug and plug it back in. Mm -hmm. I like that. It really is, and think of like the ideas you can have in that week. Yeah. Or the time you can do other things. Like we're so nervous about like, uh, but. But what if this, what if that? I'm like, trust me. <laughs> like if, I don't know, if someone major, if someone big, if Tony Robbins DMs you, you'll see it. It's, yeah. And, you know, it's like, week well, is no biggie. I think that's the big thing there is is FOMO. Like it's actually yeah. a thing, the fear of missing out. And we live in a world that's so fast and things change so rapidly that if we do unplug, we feel like we're going to miss something. Uh, when my schedule changed to the morning shift, mm -hmm. I have to go to bed at eight o'clock in the morning. And my biggest fear was I'm going to bed early. I'm going to miss everything. Hmm. It didn't take me long to realize you don't miss anything after 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Nope. Even Sunday nights. Like you don't miss much. Maybe award shows and some sporting events. But outside of that, you're, you're up to date on everything. So Yeah, but nothing big. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right, man. Well, I wanted to warm up um, by having you tell us the story of how you discovered meteorology. Huh. <laughs> okay. That's such a good warm up story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so intoxication was involved. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think you, you find a path in, in dark times, like when you're in the woods and you look the, you bring the flashlight out, you have to find a new mm. way. Um, so it was after freshman year of college, mm -hmm. I had a 1.9 GPA. I was on academic probation and, um, I'm on vacation with friends. We're, we're on the beach, Wilmington, Wilmington beach. And you went to college in New York, right? Yeah. SUNY you're, Albany. From, you're from New York. Then you went to college there and then you were vacationing in Wilmington. Yeah. I was okay. on a vacation. We drove down and yeah, just a bunch of kids. Um, yeah, we were kids. I was probably... <laughs> Um, 19 at the time, not sure what I'm going to do with my life. Computer science wasn't working out and yeah, we're, we're drinking and in getting intoxicated, <laughs> having a good time. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I see a bird. We all see a bird just dive into the ocean, come out and with a fish in its mouth. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think it's high tide and we have the winds coming in and <laughs> My friends look at me like, how do you know all this? Yeah. I was like, well, earth science, it, it's always been my jam. Mm -hmm. Like, I was great at it. And my other buddy was like, hey, we have a great meteorology program. And I looked at him, and in my drunken stammer, I was like, maybe I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so when, there I, you go. when I got home from vacation, I signed up for a whole bunch of weather classes, most of which were not the classes I should have signed up for. But mm -hmm. I, got a, I just made that commitment and said, yeah, I'm going to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sign up and be a meteorologist. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, I I love that story just because you never know. Like, it's unexpected. Yeah. And then you ran with it. Um, and then you mentioned that you signed up for some classes that you should not have taken. So what was one of those classes and who was the professor that you met? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Landon. Um, if you're listening, first and foremost, Mike Landon, hope you're enjoying retirement and thank you. Yeah. But um, the class 
if I remember correctly, it was thermodynamics of the upper atmosphere, which, I mean, just listening to the name of that sounds like, why would I sign up for that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. It was an 8.15 a.m. class, and I sat down in the back because I was timid, not sure what to do. And the first words out of the professor's mouth, Mike Landon, he says, who's Ted Faton? And I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. It's mm-hmm. 8.15 a.m., first class of my sophomore year. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And mm-hmm. he's like, you're in the wrong class. You're in the wrong class. But don't go anywhere. Mm. Sit through this. And I sat there for 45 minutes to an hour having no idea what he's talking about. Everything went over my head, and he pulled me up to his office afterwards and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you here? What are you mm-hmm. doing? So I told him my scenario. I told him, hey, um, computer science is not working out. My GPA is struggling, and I want to do meteorology. I want to do broadcast meteorology. And he looked at me. He said, well, these are the steps you're going to have to take. You're going to have to pull your GPA up above a, a 2.5 to even get into the program, you're going to have to pass physics one and physics two. And if you really want to graduate in four years, you're going to have to do it during the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at him. And I said, OK, let's go. And he sat there and mapped out the next three years of my life. It was like 930 to 12 o'clock in the afternoon. We sat in his office and mapped that whole process out. And I followed that map to a T and collected my diploma three years later. Did that so cool. Like, to me, I love that story because the one, you followed it to a T, like you were passionate about it, you followed through with it, mm-hmm. you, fo- you know, you found what you love, but also that professor. Yeah. Like, shout out to you, good sir, because like he took the time, like you never know who you can impact and you could have easily not cared or flunked mm-hmm. and his efforts would have been wasted, but you never know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just think that's a really cool story. Yeah. I even sent him an email maybe about a year and a half ago or two years ago. Kind of just it was actually I was doing a better life challenge. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges was reach out to five people from your past and just Dude, thank I them. It. And I was just like, Michael Landon. Mm-hmm. And I I went to the SUNY Albany website, the registry, and th- sure enough, his, his email was still there. And I typed him. Um, it wasn't too long. It wasn't too short, but it was just heartfelt. It said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We sat in your your office for <laughs> for like three, four hours, and I just wanted to say thank you for your time, and, and I'm doing great, mm-hmm. and you're a really big part of that. And uh, his response was like, wow, you know? So hmm. it, uh, I probably, I'm probably overdue to reach out again and, and mm-hmm. give him an update. So when you were going through it, did you, did he know that he was that big of an impact or not until that email? Um, I'd say probably not until that email um, mm-hmm. because it, the fact that he was a professor, I still took a couple classes with him, but he was actually close to retirement. Mm-hmm. So it was about a year later he retired and um, most of my classes were with other professors. I was in the program, um, but I, I dealt with other professors, so I didn't interact with him too much until he actually was the one that gave me my diploma at graduation. And he did tell the story of, of yeah. this, this kid being in the wrong yeah. class and mapping it out. But since then had no contact, didn't let him know where I was. I don't even think he knew I got a TV job. So mm. it was, it was great to kind of fill him in. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. 
and props for you for following through and sending them a message because some of us forget to thank yeah. the people that help us. <laughs> so props. All right, sir. So at the at the end of our interview a few weeks ago, when the camera stopped rolling, you asked me, what is your gift? And I love that question. So I'm mm. going to throw that back at you and ask, <laughs> what is your gift? Um, the more I think about it, I think my gift is making other people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we did talk about that. And the, the reality is, you know, I spent a lot of my life, I'm even getting emotional right now. It's, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of my life not feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, I don't want to say an identity crisis, but, you know, I was, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So I was maybe one of two or three black kids mm-hmm. in every classroom I have ever been in. And you're in Long Island, right? Long Island, mm-hmm. New York. And, you know, both of my parents from Haiti. So, you know, the, the son of immigrant parents going to Catholic school and, you know, kind of having, it wasn't a culture shock, but really trying to find where I fit in. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids. Mm-hmm. I spoke too properly for the black kids and I still had too much of an edge for the white kids. So I spent a lot of time like not really feeling like I fit in any group and I think the biggest realization I've had in life, which is, is awesome. I always tell myself, I spent so long wondering why I don't fit in. And I finally accepted, like I'm supposed to stick out. Mm. And Mm. because of that, I think I'm very empathetic to everybody I meet when I meet them and I connect with them. I talk to them. I want them to feel accepted because we're all different and we all go through our trials and our tribulations and the main thing I feel like we all want as people is to be understood and accepted. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know you. If you're listening, you know, I love you and accept you Mm. because like we're, we're all going through this thing called life that bonds us and we don't know the answers to it. So we got to learn from each other and, and kind of build the community instead of kind of judge each other because we don't know what's right or wrong at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. I love that. And one thing I learned from, from a friend, my friend Doug, he was on the podcast, is we all have traumas mm-hmm. and one is not better or worse than the other. We should not judge or compare traumas. Like we all have our stuff yeah. and that's individual to you and it sucks for that person. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, having that empathy that you do, I think is huge. When did you figure out that you had that gift of making people feel comfortable? Oh man. Um, Recently, recently, I think I can't pinpoint when it was But within like the last year, a few months, uh, last few years. Okay. Okay. I'd say last three years, maybe. And when I say last few years, and last three years, I don't think it was like an automatic switch. I think it was kind of like the drip of a faucet, right? It mm-hmm. was like little like, Oh, I got wet, you know, <laughs> but it was like kind of realized yeah. like, Oh wow. Like someone said something to me like just had i'm so just comfortable a little you. drip yeah just a little drip you and then now you have a whole bucket <laughs> yeah and it's like you mm-hmm. i you collect those right like so one person would be like ted you're really easy to talk to mm-hmm. and i'm like oh okay thanks and like somebody else asks me for advice and they're like ted i like that you don't judge me and i'm like oh well okay but <laughs> after a while when you have enough people say that you kind of stop you look at yourself like huh well you know i like that i'm easy to talk to and I, I do, I do my best not to judge. I don't think any of us are perfect and are such a clean slate. I'm not going to say I don't judge because, you know, I'm going to have my biases, but 
I like the fact that I can make people feel comfortable and, you know, try and come from a neutral perspective if they ask me for advice. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was really like the past three years I started listening to that, absorbing that and started to own it. You know, I think I'm humble and sometimes my humility holds me back from accepting some of those gifts. Mm. And what I'm working on now is being more confident in, in what cool. I'm actually good at. That's cool. I love that. And that's something I work on, too. It for you are you afraid of making people feel uncomfortable yes like or yes. not good enough because you 100 percent. because you what you just said right is you felt uncomfortable you had your whether you had your insecurities mm-hmm. and i mean they probably never go away you have to work work on it but so i can imagine that you stepping into your confidence you worry about not maybe offending is the right word or not the right word but yeah. i can imagine yeah, that's what it is for me. The perfect the perfect story I could say to kind of like paint what goes on in my head is mm-hmm. I love to dance. And I was at a party and I forget if it was a work party or some engagement. Mm-hmm. And I love to dance and there was a circle. And anybody who knows me, if there's a circle on the dance floor, <laughs> Ted is going to go in the middle of that circle <laughs> and yeah. murder it. Like yeah. <laughs> like he is going to do something in the circle, go crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's my safe place. That's what I love. And people enjoy it Mm -hmm. to an extent. I went in the middle of the circle and I'm dancing and I'm having a blast and I'm just Mm -hmm. genuinely enjoying myself. Mm -hmm. And I hear, I don't, I don't know the face. I don't know the name. I don't know who said it. I hear somebody goes, don't show off. Uh. And I immediately dialed myself back. I immediately came down a little bit, didn't dance as free and, and. For the rest of the night, I didn't dance the same. And Mm -hmm. that's like, okay, I try and assess myself. Like, I love doing this and I'm doing it so much, so much so and genuinely. Mm -hmm. But somebody felt uncomfortable for for me being who I am. Yeah. So I changed my behavior for that. And whoever felt uncomfortable, I'm at a point now, whoever felt uncomfortable, I apologize. But I don't want to scale myself back anymore. Yeah. You know, I want to just dance. I want to be free. And I'm not mm. doing it to show off. I'm doing it because that's who I am. Dude, you should write a song, like a pop song, about maybe <laughs> not just want to dance, but like don't tame your dance or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be like a, like a hit song. But anyway, I think that's a valuable lesson for anything, whether it's like your actual dancing, especially like you're confident and you love it. And you still were affected by that person's comment. Yeah. Right. And it's, I mean, I think we know this in our head, but that's not about us. It's about their own insecurity. Yeah. Like it really is like you're insecure because you don't have the courage to come in here. Dude, it doesn't matter if you suck. Like just do it and don't care what people think. Like come in and dance and it's easier said than done. But yeah. That's their thing, not ours. Well, ben, here's the secret. Like, I never took a dancing class. And sure, people are like, you're such a great dancer. I'm like, listen, I don't plan anything. I just have fun. <laughs> like, I listen to my body and I have fun. And anybody that sees me dance, I'm goofy. I am goofy. I'm flailing my arms. Yeah. I'm, I'm cheesing. I'm smiling from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. And I think some people that enjoy that see how genuinely happy I am. And that happiness, it's, it's infectious, you know? It spreads. So that is just why I like it. And it makes people jealous too, but Mm -hmm. that's not our issue. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cool. Dude, that's awesome. And then I know recently 
I think I saw you post about you went up on stage and saying, have you ever done that before? Um, I've done karaoke before. Uh-huh. I've done, um, I've done like standing up and singing, but never with a live band. So yeah, and, paint the yeah. picture. So you were at, at a bar or something and they were playing or what was happening? Um, I was at a, a blues bar, uh, Blues Boulevard in downtown Greenville jazz spot great music great live music mm-hmm. and me and jess we were there to watch one of our favorite bands the night affair band they were playing and um he they the band does their their guitarist is named jerry mm-hmm. and they do a, a game called play it jerry <laughs> and everybody yeah. yells play it jerry and whatever he plays they do so they scream play it jerry and the first thing you hear is and whoever doesn't know that I probably murdered it, but it's Tennessee whiskey. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm not a big country fan. I just started listening to country, <laughs> but Tennessee whiskey, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead singer just goes, "Hey, karaoke night right now at Blues Boulevard. Who wants to come up and sing it?" Mm-hmm. I don't have a good singing voice, mm-hmm. and I was petrified because oh, am I going to remember the words? Um, I'm going to I'm going to botch the notes. Did they not have like a screen or anything? No for, screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like for me, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. Cause like, I don't know the words. Yeah. Like oh. you have to know the song. Mm. And like, I know I've played this song on repeat in my car at times, yeah. you know? So I knew the words. And so the song starts, some lady grabbed the mic and sang a little bit. They gave it back. And then some guy came up singing the first verse and, the lead singer looks out in the crowd and we make eye contact Uh-oh. and I point at the mic. Like uh-huh. I put myself in the position cause I, I I'm, I'm nervous. So I'm asking Jess, I'm like, should I go up? Should I go mm-hmm. up? And she's like, you love this song. So, mm-hmm. you know, my heart's beating and I'm, yeah. I, and once he looked at me, I'm like, <laughs> can I come up? And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I go up there and we're singing the chorus. They give me the mic. I'm singing the chorus. I'm feeling it. And I point out to the crowd. I'm like, yeah. And then it goes to the second verse. Uh-huh. And I blank. Oh, really? I blank. Mm-hmm. Forgot the words on how the second verse started. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And I look out in the crowd. And they all smile. Like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And like, they didn't laugh. They all just were like, oh, no. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, do you got this? And I was like, what's the word? <laughs> but then the lead singer picks up the mic. And, and he started the second verse. And the three of us. Um, it was, it was Jay and Eric and me, we continued singing this, the, the second verse and they give me the mic for the chorus again. And I, I belted out the chorus <laughs> and like, they started going crazy. Yeah. And, and I posted that picture. It was, it was pretty fun. And I look back at, you know, I, I regret nothing because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like just belting out that chorus the second time and, and everybody screaming and having a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't, you didn't skip a beat. You know, and I went home knowing that, okay, I'm a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Well, and like that has to, it feels so freeing. I can imagine it's just like in your soul, like in your chest. Yeah. And just like, just complete, um, like euphoria almost. Yeah. It really is. Cause I mean, 
here's the thing, and I'll be very transparent and vulnerable here. Like, I don't know if everybody else has done it, but like, mm-hmm. I've been in my apartment by myself mm-hmm. with a brush and, and singing at the brush, imagining yeah. I'm on stage in front of thousands of people, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a band behind me, and if my jam's playing, you know, I just got out of the shower, I got my towel around my head, and I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. You know, and it's something we always fantasize about. Mm-hmm. Just give me a live band and a microphone and let me sing in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. And there was an opportunity to live out something I fantasized about and it scared me, which is, you know, what I'm trying to do, put myself in those situations and I did it. Yeah. That's dope. Good for you. (laughs) That's, that's dope. Um, okay. You mentioned Jess, let's talk relationships. Jess is your girlfriend. Yes. Um, and you told me that you and Jess made 90 days, 90 day goals together. Oh yeah. And let me tell you, I think that is sexier than lingerie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was even better when she was like, do you want to review our 90 days and see how we did? I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seriously. Yeah. She's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a big firm believer of growing. And when you have somebody to grow with, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's huge. And I think me and Jess are, are lucky in terms of we're in a spot now where we have our own goals and I think this is very important that we have our own goals and our own thing that's going on Mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter is that we're very conscious on on how our goals affect each other Mm. and how they come together so not just having our own goals but our own goals that fit together like a puzzle piece you know so what do you mean by like what are one of your goals and one of her goals that like come together like they're separate but they still align sure so for me, my goal, um, especially being in media, is just to reach my full potential in this field. Mm-hmm. And with that comes, you know, the roll of the dice of the city that I end up in. You know, I could be, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, Carolina right now, but I don't know where my com- career will lead me. Um, matter of fact, before I accepted the job in Greenville, South Carolina, I never even heard of it. Yeah. And then the job position opened up and here I am. So I don't know where I'm going to end up and... As long as I have that freedom to spread my wings or I don't care where I set my flagpole. I just don't want to be tethered to it. Mm. So I can I can be anywhere in the country and carry out my goals for Jess. She's she has a passion for for skincare and health and helping people. Mm-hmm. And she's building her, her knowledge and her business around it. And she's now seeing the opportunity to do that from anywhere. So here we are with her goals to reach her full potential, my goals to reach my mm-hmm. full potential, but it doesn't lock any of us in any city. And they align. And they align. She can have her goals no matter where we go. I can have my goals no matter where I go. Cool. I like that. Um, what, separates, like what separates her from other relationships or other girls in your mind? Wow. I know oh, there's a man. lot. And, I'm, and then, you know. <laughs> first, of all, first of all, man. Great question. Great question. Um, and I know she's probably gonna be listening to this. So she's sitting on, on the edge on. of her seat. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to give about three seconds of dead air. For we're you to, we're going to press pause and come yeah, back. Get a little anxious, baby. Yeah. Um, it's a feeling, man. Mm. It's a feeling. I think if I'm honest. There was one night we were sleeping and our keychain holder fell in the middle of the night. And I woke up in the middle of the night to see what that sound was. And I was scared. Not for myself. 
this this is I think this is what sits with me more than anything else because like I've lived my life I've had my fun mm -hmm. I've I've lived life at the edge of my seat you know mm -hmm. I've flirted with danger and never once was I really scared mm -hmm. this time I was scared because hmm. I had something to lose hmm. you know and that, and that sticks out to me is like I want to protect her mm -hmm. and and it's almost like this is the first relationship where I feel like I have something mm -hmm. that's worth defending, that's mm -hmm. worth um, fighting for. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very, I'm a very even keel person. I'm, I don't lose my temper easily, but I know, and I'm probably exposing my weakness here, but <laughs> I know I have a, a trigger in terms of her, mm. you know, and that being said, I listen to that. You know, because that that shows how important it is to me. Dude, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Does she know that story? Uh, yeah, I've told her. Okay, I've told her dope. like, yeah, I was. I mean, I'm like, oh man, there's is there somebody in the apartment? And you know, I poke my head out, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, stay back here, babe. But it, it's, yeah. I guess that just that just feeling is like, well, it's the first realization. It's like, man, I have something to lose mm -hmm. now. Interesting. What? Um, shoot. You made me think of a question. Damn. It was a good one, too. <laughs> um, hopefully, let me let me come back to it. Um, what challenges... Actually, oh, I remembered. So, you, you said that you're usually an even-keeled person. Me as yeah. well. Have, do you ever suffer from... And you mentioned that she's your like strength, but also like a weakness mm -hmm. as your trigger. Do you suffer from like jealousy or insecurity? Um... I have, yeah, mm -hmm. um, and not really. I mean, for the most part, no. Um, I think the jealousy and insecurity comes from she knows me very well, mm -hmm. you know. And there's such a trust between me and her that I think my insecurity comes from somebody else knowing her as well as I know her, mm -hmm. and her trusting and and putting her faith in somebody else as much as me i think and i'm just thinking out loud here mm -hmm. man because this is an awesome question i never really explored it in my mind mm -hmm. so i mean my answer can change as i explore it more mm -hmm. but i think for me we all like to be that one person yeah in their other lives That's true man right yeah, yeah. We, we like to be that one person we like to be the i'm your north star i'm your go-to yes if something's wrong you I'm come to rock. me to fix it mm -hmm. and i think the jealousy and the insecurity comes from thinking that there's someone else in her life that can that can help her in avenues i can't and i think uh i actually had a friend of mine um who called me out on it and he really was like just yeah. out of the blue not out of the blue. We were uh, we were kind of all just talking together, and you know we were just in a safe place, okay, sharing cool. sharing um, our thoughts and ideas mm -hmm. and, and how we felt. And he's like, you know, Ted, you know, you're gonna have to grow out of that, mm -hmm. you know. And um, he's like, there's there's different levels to intimacy, mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to grow up and and realize the difference of your intimacy and the other intimacy that she can have with others. Well, yeah, and it's like. We can't be everything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Your men, your man, a woman doesn't matter. Any type of relationship, we cannot be everything. You're right. 
like other like we should want other people to have like relationships and like a best friend or multiple friends or a mom like coworkers, whatever like to provide different things that we can't provide because just literally speaking we can't be everything mm-hmm. like we don't have every emotional like capacity you know yeah. Yeah, I can't be your doctor, your your therapist, your psychiatrist, yeah. and, and and all that. And I, I love how we're talking because if you if you notice, I talk about being jealous. I want to harp on the fact it's nothing she's doing. Yeah, it's nothing she's doing. It's about it's always about ego, man. Yeah, it's, it's about, about me. Yeah, I feel it too. It's about me. I know it's about me every yeah. time. So if I'm feeling jealous, it's not because she's making me jealous. It's mm-hmm. because okay, what are my insecurities? What do I have to explore? And and I do like having a safe place to be like, hey, I'm feeling like this and this is why. And, you know, being able to share that's important. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's on me. It's on me to mature above that and um, and realize that I like saying this. Jess doesn't make me do anything. I don't mm-hmm. make her do anything. And we've been in a relationship for going on three years now. Mm-hmm. And I have the freedom to do whatever I want. And she has the same freedom. And I think the beauty in that is every single day we're together is a conscious choice to be mm, together. I like that. I hate it when someone is like, oh, my girl can't do that. My girl can't go talking to the guy. She can't go out at night. No, that's poor what? outlook, man. So, yeah. like So is she choosing you every day or is she just staying within the lines every day? Mm. There are no lines between us. We make conscious efforts. I'm not checking in with my girl if I could do something because I want permission. I'm checking in because I am... I care about her feelings. I care about how my actions affect her. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure we're on the same page. And that's a choice. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I had this thought recently about we deserve someone who makes us a priority. Yeah. Of course, there's sacrifice and ebbs and flows, you know, like like there's no such thing as just like everything can be in equilibrium at all times. Mm-hmm. Like you put effort here, it goes up and down on the scale, you know. Yeah. But generally speaking, I believe that we do deserve someone who makes us a priority consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to make that choice every day. I like that. Yeah. It's definitely something that, I mean, we both worked on, mm-hmm. you know, even understanding how we communicate and understanding how our, our priorities are set up. Um, one book that we've discussed and, and explored was the five love languages. Love it, man. What are you, what's your love language? So, uh, my love language is acts and services and quality time. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> her love language is all five <laughs> at least that's what she tells me that's funny but it, it's funny because mm-hmm. it's it's crazy just to think about that where i would wash the dishes and fold her laundry come home spend an hour with her mm-hmm. right and in my mind i just showed her a ton of love right but I didn't kiss her when she came right in the door. Mm-hmm. I didn't say I love you for the whole day. She, in her mind, didn't receive any love. And I think that's such a huge thing to mm-hmm. like discuss because I'm like, I'm sitting here like, I've been pouring love out all day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but when we can understand yeah. that and under, if I can understand how she re- receives love, mm-hmm. I could be more conscious to that and, and do it for her. And she could also be a little bit more conscious to the things that I'm doing mm-hmm. are out of love. And it just helps us meet in the middle. Yeah, that's good. I, I heard one time I was re- recently that we 
often give love and how we want to receive it. Yeah. So especially for love languages, like acts of service, you're doing what, because in your mind you're like, oh, this is, you don't think about necessarily what you like. Yeah. But we view life, not necessarily how it is, but it's about us, Mm -hmm. you know, like the meaning we assign to it. So for you, like saying, oh, this is what love is. This is just because I feel how I feel is this is how it is. Yeah. And so it's not like you're wrong. It's just we don't understand. We need to communicate with that, you know. Yeah. And we're like her walking in the door and me coming to her and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. how was your day? And a kiss and I love you. That's significant to her. If I came home from work and she kisses me, hey, I love you, this, the other thing, and I walk in, I see the dishes are done, I'm like, oh, my God, you did the dishes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it resonates with us differently. What, if you if you don't mind sharing, like, it doesn't have to be a crazy, like, difficult challenge, but what have you guys faced and made it through together that stands out in your mind? Um, I think the start of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we both, I don't think both of us were in a in a position where we were looking for a relationship Mm -hmm. and it was just something that happened because we vibed Mm -hmm. and you know, um, I always joke, like she came to visit a couple of times and I couldn't get rid of her. (laughs) And I said, she followed me down here, but no, what just happened was we started hanging out and she had just moved to a new city and I had six months left on my contract. I didn't know where I was going to go. And literally we were in the relationship early on mm-hmm. with a very light, uh, it looked like a very good chance that I would be shipping off someplace and we'd be cities apart, hundreds of miles apart. Mm-hmm. And that was rough because there was so much uncertainty there. And on top of, we talked about goals. Her, She moved to the city with the intentions of staying there. And the city that she moved to wasn't a city on my list or on my radar. So she's like, I want Charlotte. And I'm like, I can't give you Charlotte, you know? So there were a lot of questions like, well, what are we doing then? You know, mm-hmm. how long is this going to last? And uh, luckily, you know, we kind of just let the cards fall where they fell. Mm-hmm. I stayed in Greenville. Our relationship continued to grow. And I think we grew into where our goals are now. But the biggest challenge was was really calibrating together. Because we, we were two different people when we met on two different paths. And the more we discussed and looked at the future, we didn't see how the paths were going to come together. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's when the relationship becomes hard. Okay, dude. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Sure. I hope she's okay with me sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Um, I'll talk to you in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then what are you like? Cause personally, like you're fashionable, you're fit, you're a good looking dude. You're on TV, mm-hmm. but thank you. No, oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> But what are you like? What challenges are you facing? Like, what do you like struggle with like every day? Like maybe just right now, not in general, but just like right now, like what's something that you're trying to you're battling? So it's something every day I look at is I'm obsessed with this concept of like being a man. Mm. Right. And everybody has a different definition for it. And everybody has a different view of what a man is Hmm. and I think for me um I really want to encompass being the best man I could be you know that's why I work out and that's why I try and pay attention to my fashion and you know try and be successful in my career and business and things and I think the biggest challenge is is living up to that standard um 
I think I continue to move the needle. And as I move the needle, I still feel insignificant. Hmm. So um, the self-comparison, the self-talk is huge. That's mm -hmm. important. And I think I even mentioned to you, I was like, okay, you know, are my priorities messed up? Am I spending too much time doing one thing, another thing? Mm -hmm. I critique myself so much. And I think the biggest challenge I'm dealing with right now is, is accepting my, ex accepting my current position in comparison to where my standard is, knowing that it's okay. Well, yeah. And even just like probably compare yourself to a year ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. or even as like celebrating your win of standing up and singing, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like for real, like, of course you might not need to like celebrate, like we all celebrate in different ways, but I think we all do deserve to celebrate because I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I really do forget to like pat myself on the back. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I think I, I harp on, I harp on the mistakes I make, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's in at work, in the business, in the relationship, you know, I, I harp on spots where I feel like as though I, I came up short, mm -hmm. you know, where you know, back to the relationship, there was a few weeks, especially with our 90 day goals and stuff We're we're head down, we're working and I'm I'm saying yes to all these things. I'm saying yes to all these people mm -hmm. and just said, whatever happened to our date nights? Oh, I didn't even realize that you weren't doing them. I didn't realize like they had slipped through the wayside cause she was out of town for a while. I was out of town and it was around the holidays. So, I mean, they kind of fell by the wayside and, mm -hmm. and I let that slip. And she kind of just bought something up, like, you know, whatever happened in the date nights. And instantly, Ben, like, I felt like a failure. You know, mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, snap, you know. And my response is defensive. <laughs> you know, it's always defensive initially. Yeah. And But it's just like I have to stop harping on those because she's not saying anything's insignificant in the relationship. She's just bringing up something she's that's asking slipping. asking a question. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I take it, I take it there though. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you said you're obsessed with this idea of being a man. Yeah. So masculinity, I think, do you know Lewis House? Oh yeah. Have you read his book, Mask of Masculinity? I have. Okay. I have not. So I want to, because it's I, good. Okay. So a synopsis, will you just give a quick synopsis of the book? Yeah, so Mask of Masculinity, Lewis Howes pretty much touches on the different masks that men wear mm -hmm. and that athletic mask or the materialistic mask of what men put out there to feel confident in themselves. Mm -hmm. And they use that mask to cover up you know, their real emotions and what's really going on underneath the hood. Mm -hmm. And that can make us difficult to deal with at times. And that could really affect the way we, we treat each other. We treat our spouses, we treat our children. Mm. And, um, a lot of men I think are suffering in silence. Yeah, man, that's true because of these masks. And I think for me, um, I grew up having a mother and a father in the household, seeing the relationship between my mom and my dad. And, you know, my dad is, an awesome dad. Mm -hmm. And I know not everybody has that. And I want to harp on this. I say awesome dad because there might be some fathers listening and, and some, some men listening like, oh, my gosh, I have to be such a great, perfect dad. Mm -hmm. I don't think – my dad wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, He wasn't a perfect man, but he was there. Mm -hmm. And I think being there for your kids is the first step. No matter how flawed you are or, mm -hmm. or how perfect you are, being there – makes you that father figure mm -hmm. and that's something because you can learn from 
the good someone does, you can also learn from the bad that they do too. Mm-hmm. So just being there is important. That's cool. Do you want to have kids? I do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll even put it out there. I want to have a son. Mm-hmm. You know, and me and Jess have even spoken about it. Like, I'll adopt a son if I have to. That's cool. Yeah. I do want to raise, I do want to raise a a son into a boy into a man, and um, hopefully have him be another good citizen in this world. Dude, I love that. What do you think is a what's a misconception of masculinity? <laughs> How much time we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's this term going around toxic masculinity and I haven't explored it too much, but I just feel like I don't think masculinity necessarily is toxic. I think it could be misdirected and mishandled. Hmm. And I think the mo- the common misconception overall is masculinity being a bad thing. Hmm. I don't think masculinity is a bad thing. I think there's a lot of utility to it. Mm-hmm. But just like a tool, a hammer is great for hammering a nail into wood and building a house. A hammer could also be used as a weapon. Mm. So is it the hammer's fault? I don't think so. So I think the common misconception about masculinity in itself is that it's bad or it's toxic. No, it's just a tool that honestly, I don't think enough of us as boys have learned to wield correctly. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? I was in a recent conversation about, uh, because I think we all like everything that we talked about, whatever we assign meaning to, Mm -hmm. you know, or like we all view well, use masculinity in this case differently. Yeah. Like, cause what are we used to? Like the people we grew up with, how do they display masculinity? Mm-hmm. You know, like the people in our lives, that's what we're used to. Yeah. And it was thrown out there just essentially that masculinity from what they're used to was, um, what was it? Just like basically like being a dick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Know, like, because you're masculine, like, like you're telling it how it is, and you're like, like overly gruff. Yeah, you know, too rough, too rough. Like, not listen not to gentle me. enough. Yeah, like not gentle. So that was interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I, it was a cool conversation. But like, do you have any thoughts about that? Of like, like I don't think so. Like, you don't have to be a dick to be a man. Like, you sure. know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I I think when it comes to masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing we do as men is we we push boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, think of how we always see you know the high school kids and you know they get a new car. What are the guys doing? They're, they're driving. They're airing that bad boy out. They're yeah. going as fast as they can. And, and I mean that's what masculinity and men tend to do. They push mm-hmm. those boundaries, and by pushing those boundaries, they push them with others. They test authorities. If you were to put a line in front of me and say, "Hey, don't cross this line," I might test how adamant you are about that line are you gonna mm-hmm. let me to cross it and i think because we push those lines we start to offend and we start to we go we go too far i think the utility there for men is you know we try and toughen each other up mm-hmm. our competitiveness right and just like competitive competitiveness can breed greatness competitiveness comes with the with the collateral damage of losers Mm-hmm. And that is is unfortunate, but 
and if I could just be blunt and honest, I yeah, think man. it's a sad reality of this world. Is like you know, in this world, there are winners and losers. There are men. There have to be they, exactly. And I mean, we we reference the animal kingdom all the time, saying, "Oh, survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest," and we look at humans as an exception to that. You know, well, scientifically, we're Homo sapiens. We're we're an animal, and sure, I think we are above that, and we have the consciousness to be better but that doesn't mean that our instincts and our utility is any different than that of the chimpanzees we're animals dude yeah like we are a species yeah like we definitely a level up but still yeah like we have instincts mm-hmm. that yeah interesting okay so how have you because a few years ago your goal was to what was your goal like a few years ago regarding your career um have my own show and the path through that was going to New York and being on ABC the news <laughs> channel that my parents grew up watching uh, I just wanted to have my mom and dad turn on the TV one day and see you channel 7 that they watch every day <laughs> right before Jeopardy and <laughs> and me pop up and say hey mom and dad you know so for me that would be like ultimately making it um, but you know the reality in the career kind of shows up and us i also see other opportunities Mm -hmm. and i think the the goal is still to have my own show but the capacity in which that happens has changed Mm -hmm. um podcasting has been a passion Um, we talk about being a man um the modern man a show i've been doing with Mm -hmm. with a group of guys that has has been awesome and continues to to grow and i i believe in the future there i think that has been more or less where I can I can marry my my goals and my purpose into something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So I think my career goals is leading towards you know creating and being part of something bigger than myself. And that's and does it have to do with like a level of control and like creative control and like you're in charge of the vision and the mission and you're like in it instead of. Okay, show up to set today. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with it? Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's control because I know for like my leadership style and Charles has been kind of harping on me a lot of not being as authorita- authoritative over what I want. Hmm. And I think the reality is it's not that I want something in particular. I want to be part of something and I want to create something with with people and for me, I think I'm I'm more married to the meaning and the purpose of what I'm there for mm. than how it actually is. The details and the logistics, they can change every single day. And I think what I'm working for, like I said, is purpose. I love the modern man. I love the podcast as it, as it is right now. And if mm-hmm. it's something I'm creating and I'm molding, awesome. But I also want to create an opportunity and a level of comfort in my life, no matter what I'm doing. The moment I don't personally feel connected to it anymore, I want to have the ability to walk away. Almost just want to live my truth and and enjoy the things I'm doing in life. Because I think we're here for a short amount of time and life is too short to wake up every day not enjoying what you do or feeling connected mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, dude, that's dope. Okay, so we I have a segment in this show called Scroll My Soul. Okay. Okay. So what that means is as I learn and have conversations, 
um, just read whatever whatever I'm inspired by. I keep a running list in my phone. Okay. And so I randomly scroll through my phone and I select a thought for you. Yeah. And so I want to know how you resonate with the thought, just what you think of when I say it. Okay. Cool. So scroll my soul. Here we go. You will never find the right person until you be the right person. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So yeah, you'll never find the right person until you be the right person. How do you resonate with that? Um, I think for me, I spent a lot of my life not knowing who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think we're always trying to find out who we are. But, and I'll bring this back to Jess. I think we started working so well because it was the first time in my life I didn't care. Like when I say I didn't care, I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't care about Jess, but I was unapologetically who I was. Ooh, I like that. I was 100% in love with myself and I was 100% like no more bending my, my values to impress a girl I was interested mm. in. It's either you're going to take all of this Teddy or <laughs> none of it at all. Yeah. So once I fully absorbed who I was and actually went on the journey of finding out who I was. I was so wrapped up in loving myself. Hmm. Jess couldn't help but love me too. <laughs> Dude, I love that. That's yeah. a cool. Okay. I really like that answer. All right, my man. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you. <laughs> um, seriously, I appreciate it because I know it's a little bit uncomfortable. It is. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Um, so as, as we close, do you have any other thoughts that you want to share or anything that's on your mind? The only thing that comes to mind and I I put at the end of every one of my Instagram posts and Mm -hmm. it's just something that I've wrapped my head around, you know, and part of my podcast, no rain, no rainbows is let's grow. Let's grow. Um, I mean, I, I look back and I know I've had, I have ulcerative colitis which a lot of people might not know what that was, but it put me in the hospital for two weeks. I'm 23 years old, thinking I'm going to lose my large intestine. Mm. And I remember like that was a shift for me mentally of just be positive. And ever since then, I've just, I don't know, I have a blind faith that everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. I'm just too happy-go-lucky. So if you're out there, just grow and know, no matter what you're going through, everything's going to go everything's going to work out and you're going to look back and, and smile and trust it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude. All right, Ted. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for being on here. <laughs> ben, thank you for having me, man. You know, it. adios. I hope everyone enjoyed that interview with Ted. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that one. And this week's challenge is inspired by Ted because he mentioned his professor that was a huge influence on his career and his life path by just taking that time You never know who you could impact. And I was really inspired by that. So we're doing a challenge inspired by Big Brothers Big Sisters. And we want you to reach out to someone in your past who positively affected you and thank them for their influence. It could be a teacher, church leader, friend, mentor, one of your friend's parents, a coach. So I want to know who are you going to reach out to? Who who has positively affected you? And we need to say thank you to these people, man. So let's do it. And there are a few ways you can report back once you complete the challenge. You can post on Facebook or Instagram using hashtag GoalLink Challenge. Tag us in your stories or use the GoalLink hotline. 
The hotline is designed for those who want to remain anonymous but still desire a form of accountability. To use the hotline, call 385-626-0525 and follow the instructions. All right, y'all. We got a cool, dope challenge coming this week. So let me know who you reach out to, who you think. My name is Ben. I love you. And this is The Golink Show.